Okay, guys, before we get started, I want to give an announcement about the study hall and the next boot camp. I said that I wasn't going to do a boot camp after the summer boot camp. I'm doing an attachment group right now, which is different from a boot camp. It's not as intense because every single person is working at a different level. I have them all working pretty much to, you know, as much work as they are able to do. But the journaling is very important. It's important to journal four to six days a week and respond to three to five other boot campers journals four to six days a week. So if you can make that commitment, you are welcome to the holiday boot camp. The holiday boot camp is going to be a cross of a beginning boot camp. If you've never done any of this work before, you haven't done the relationship inventory you want to do with me, you're free to join. If you're a little more advanced than that and you want to work on codependency, you are free to join. It's going to be a hybrid. So it's going to be a hybrid of a beginning and a codependency. So whether you are beginning or you're a little bit advanced but want to work on codependency, you can do it. I've done codependency boot camps, I've done beginning boot camps, and I've done a hybrid. So this is a hybrid. Please send me email. Send to Susan at gettingpastorbreakup.com. Send to Susan J E one 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 nine. That's three ones nine at gmail.com. Just because sometimes the blue host email just gets stuck somewhere. I don't know where the hell it gets stuck, but it does. And I have to actually go on the server and pull them all off. And I don't do that every single day. So if you want the registration form, it will be available after November 1st. Send me email. It is limited. There's usually a wait list. This is the holiday boot camp. It's going to go on for eight weeks. Uh, well, nine weeks. We do a break in the middle. So it's nine week boot camp. We do a break in the middle and I hope to start it uh, a week or so before Thanksgiving so that you have a lot of support through the holidays. So please send me email. Let me know what you, you're willing to do. And then the study hall will be coming up after the first of the year. So hopefully when this boot camp ends, the study hall will be ready. I just don't want to put the study hall up without it being absolutely 100% perfect. And there's still videos that I have to do. And I, I still am working on the course materials. So I'm not putting the study hall up until I have an optimized site, which we optimized the site a couple of weeks ago, but I'm getting a new forum. I need some more power on the server. I'm talking to Bluehost. That's probably going to happen the second or third week in January and we'll go from there. So if you're interested in the study hall, you want to wait for that, that's fine. If you want to join the holiday boot camp, please let me know. It usually sells out and I usually have a wait list. So please let me know guys. Take care everybody. Bye-bye. I'm going to have this as an announcement at the beginning of like two or three podcasts. So don't get annoyed. It'll it'll go away soon. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough-talking, advice-giving show by the not-really-mean, mean lady, Susan J. Elliott. Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of Mean Lady Talking Podcast, and welcome to episode 
episode 79. I know that I talked in episode 78. Episode 78 was kind of an overview of all the stuff that I've been working on. But I wanted to let you know that if you go to the MeanLadyTalking.com website, we have a button there that says all of the grief and attachment episodes and another button that says all of the dating episodes and another button that says all the PD stands for personality disorder episodes. I think that they're all there. They might, I might've missed one or two, but I paid somebody and the two of us worked together to go through everything. And I still have to, I still have to review some of his work, but for the most part, it's there. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had dinner with my summer boot camp. I was so excited. Over the course of doing this, I've met some people that follow the GPYB program, one or two people. I've never met the entire boot camp at once. There was only one person missing and we came from all over. We came together in somebody's apartment in Greenwich Village and it was absolutely amazing. So we had a lot of laughs, a lot of talk. It was absolutely wonderful. But one thing that they were talking about was the podcast. And they said, I said that ghosting was cowardice. But what I didn't say, and they had asked me about this, and I hope that if you have questions about things that I say, please feel free to email me and ask me to clarify. Because they said, does that mean after one or two dates? And I was like, no, 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 no. No, you really don't owe anybody anything after one or two dates. If you didn't feel like you liked the person, you hit it off, whatever, and you never talked to them again after one date, that's fine. After two dates, it's fine. Three dates, it's a bit uh, on the line. But if you are seeing somebody for a few weeks and then you just stop talking to them, you do what they're now calling soft ghosting, which is kind of checking in now and again, but not really keeping a comprehensive discussion going, that's bullshit behavior. Let's forget these cute little labels, soft ghosting, and call it for what it is. It's bullshit behavior. If you've been seeing somebody for more than two or three dates and you start this bullshit behavior, that's exactly what it is. That's bullshit behavior and it's cowardice. So anyway, I wanted to clear that up because People in my summer boot camp just seemed to not understand what I was talking about. So that's for them. And I had such a great time. I was really embarrassed. They did a toast to me. And, you know, I always tell people, I am honored when people come to work with me. I feel like they take their most precious parts of themselves, the parts that have been wounded, the parts that have been hurt. And they come to me and they look to me for guidance and for healing. And I am honored to know these people because they take their very intimate relationships. Some relationships that went on for years, some long-time marriages, whatever it is, they take it and they put them in my hands and say, please help me with this. And I do. But I'm a guide. I am not the person who does the work. You guys are the people that do the work. I am honored to be a guide. And speaking of God, I said that was going to be my last boot camp because I want to bring back the study hall, but the study hall is not ready. And I started talking in the last, in the last episode about using the workbook to get my life back on track after I was sick for a couple of weeks. And what I was saying was the days that I was dizzy when I was having this, this medication reaction, I couldn't do anything. I mean, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't read. 
I couldn't research. I couldn't go on the computer. I couldn't go watch TV. I couldn't do anything, nothing. So it wasn't just that the podcast fell by the wayside. It's that everything in my life fell by the wayside. So what I've done is I've taken the goal section of the workbook. It's been a long time since I actually worked with them, but I took it. And for each room of my house, I made short-term goals and long-term goals. And I had some of my research, some of the writing that I'm doing. I'm doing another attachment group right now. It's my second one. And I'm writing a book on that. So I did long-term goals and short-term goals for every room of my house. The attachment book, the attachment group, podcast, and other things that I'm working on. You know, the Jodi Arias Appeal, the Ezra McClandis case, and a few other things that I've been... and finishing up the Chris Watts stuff. So I actually took my workbook and I did what I tell you guys to do, which is to get long-term goals and short-term goals. And I know that I usually talk about going back to school or whatever, but I found that I was actually able to take the worksheet and I was actually able to take each worksheet and apply it to one, every room in my house, be every academic thing that I had going on, every legal case that I had, every client that I had, the podcast, the Facebook group, everything that I was working on. So I know that in the book, Getting Past Your Breakup, they never gave me the chance to really go into goals, but I go into goals in the workbook. And if you're ever stuck, like you just think that your life is careening out of control, which is what I felt like because I had two weeks where I was basically not able to do much of anything. And when I came back from that, I was just completely overwhelmed. Like I don't know where to start first. And if you've ever been in this cleaning mode where you take things from one room and put them in another room and then you're like, okay, now this room's a mess now that I've cleaned this room. That's what was going on with me. And I was like freaking out all over the place. But I found that using the goal sheets was very, very, very helpful. Very helpful. So I wanted to remind people, if you have the workbook and you really need to get back on track, go to the goal section and do long-term goals and short-term goals. And I was able to do every single room in my house, every single academic project I had going, every single legal project I had going. And I'm still not there yet, but I'm pretty far. And I, you know, I'm doing the podcast again and I'm, I'm talking to people and I'm getting myself ready to dive back into weekly podcasts. I don't know that I'm going to go into a break between season two and season three. I don't know yet. I'm going to figure that out, but I just want to check in with everybody. Anyway, so no, I didn't mean that you're a coward if you don't talk to somebody after one or two dates, but if you've been seeing somebody regularly and then you just sort of fall off the face of the earth, yeah, you're a coward. So anyway. (laughs) <laughs> that's that doesn't apply to one or two dates. I, you know, three dates. I don't know. We three dates. Usually, you start to think about becoming exclusive around three or four dates if you really hit it off. So I don't know. Write to me. Let me know what's going on. I've asked people to tell me some things that I'm going on with. You know, late twenties, early thirties. Oh, I want to talk to you guys about. Okay. This is a prelude to the celebrity breakup infidelity thing. I don't know if you guys have watched the show To Catch a Predator, which was on Dateline NBC. Michael and I watched this. I mean, it was it was big in like the early 2000s or something. I think it started as just a segment on Stone Phillips' show. And Chris Hansen went and did this investigation 
And then they thought that it was going to be one and done, and they didn't realize how many perverts and predators there was in this world. So when I was watching it way back when with Michael, we were horrified because we had an underage daughter. And my daughter and I always clashed about the amount of time that I spent monitoring her time online. She always thought it was really strict. I mean, she had friends whose parents didn't care about anything. She had friends whose parents gave underage drinking parties, you know, so I was, you know, the mean parent. And I didn't care. It's like, I want you to be alive when you're 18 and not have been raped by a predator or murdered or anything. And if this is what I have to do to keep you from being raped or murdered, like this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. Anyway, Michael and I were watching this and then I I was looking at my, my daughter's online activity, but I never realized that there was humor in it, that Chris Hansen was pretty funny going back and forth. So I really got into the old episodes because I never realized that it was so funny because I was always so horrified that these people were out there that I kind of, his one line is that kind of got thrown away. I didn't get it. So there's been a few YouTube channels. There's Joey's TCAP channel. Now TCAP stands for to catch a predator. So it was Joey's TCAP And then there was Mr. Gigi and they were guys who uploaded all of the Catch Predator stuff and they did some commentary and things like that. They did things under fair use. There was this whole big thing that went on, but all I was interested in, I wasn't really interested in that, even though I'm an attorney and even though I understand fair use and First Amendment and all this other stuff, I wasn't really interested in that. There was this whole brouhaha thing that went on around this that I didn't really care about, but I watched episode after episode after episode. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And you kind of watch. And then and then Chris Hansen had this Hansen versus Predator, which was kind of an independent project that he did away from NBC. And I didn't know what was going on here. So one of the things that went on was that Chris Hansen would get these predators in this in the kitchen And he would have the chats that they had with these people who were decoys, who was posing as these underage kids. And depending on the state that you were in, and I know that there was like some some issues around entrapment in Texas and things like that. And I'm actually licensed to practice law in Texas. I'm inactive, but I'm in the database. You could go there and see me. Um, I'm in a good standing. I'm just inactive because I don't live there. But I'm licensed to practice law in Texas. So I was kind of interested in some of the Texas law, some of the things that went on around there. But one of the things that I really, 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 really have an issue with is somebody not being who they say they are. So I'm watching all these To Catch a Predator episodes. I'm enjoying the one-liners that I didn't catch the first time because I was so horrified. And then aside from that, aside from that, this is completely outside of the realm of any of that. I go to research what this meanie wrote me about celebrity relationships and infidelity that people kind of look the other way. So I was kind of going along and I was like, who's cheated on their spouse? Power couples like Jay-Z and Beyonce, like the Clintons. It's like, 
Michael and I had this discussion about the Clintons, um, you know, and this might have to do with power couples, I don't know, that there are certain things that women who are in these couples won't do. And and it's kind of like, look the other way. Like, if you want a blowjob, you need to go someplace else because I'm not doing it. And and it's like, okay, she gave him a blowjob, whatever. It's like, he still loves me. He has vaginal sex with me. He didn't have vaginal sex with her. Kind of an understanding. And Michael and I had this discussion many, many times. And so I was looking at some of the power couples and seeing if this is the way things were. But I know people on the inside. I, I said that I didn't know much about celebrity relationships. And one of the reasons is because I do have clients who are celebrities. And I not only have clients who are celebrities, but I have clients who are in the business, not necessarily the name, but either a stage actress or actor who goes out with a famous singer, but they're not really known, but they're, they are in the business or somebody who works in production. They're not really known, but they are in the business. And I have signed a lot of non-disclosure forms. So sometimes the reason why I don't follow celebrity breakups is because I don't want to run afoul of some of my non-disclosure forms. So anyway, I'm, I'm going along and I'm, I'm trying to like figure out, am I going to talk about this couple? I'm going to talk about that couple. Now, this is not that, this is not that episode, but I run across this thing. Now, this is after I have had a fill of all the To Catch a Predator things, I watch Mr. Gigi. He's really funny. He's a young guy. He's in his 20s. He's really, really funny. The commentary that he did on the To Catch a Predator stuff. But I guess there was just some big to-do about Chris Hansen striking people and other people getting struck and people striking back. And I, I don't know what went on, but it it was, you know, this whole big thing. And I wasn't really interested in that or interested in what went on. But as I'm going through this, one of the things that Chris Hansen did in all these investigations was showing the predators their chats and reading it. And some of the guys would be so embarrassed. They'd be like, you don't have to tell me. I heard you, blah, blah, blah. And others would just like sitting there. There was the one guy eating pizza. I can't remember what his name is, but he's just like, he's just like scarfing pizza down, thinking like, I'm not worried about this. Like, I didn't say anything that was going to get me in trouble, but he did. He said a whole bunch of things that were going to get him in trouble, but he was being all, all cool about it. Like, I'm just going to sit here and eat pizza and, you know, whatever. So, so anyway, one of the things that happened was I was running along, minding my own business, looking for celebrity breakups, and what do I come across but Chris Hansen. Now, he looked at a lot of predators, and I remember he said to this one predator, you sent this photo, and it was a photo, you know, you call it a dick pic. He said, you sent this photo. And the guy goes, oh, I sent that really? Ew. And Chris Hansen goes, yeah, ew. I do not know a woman who's impressed with a dick pic. Women talk about this all the time. Like the only people that are impressed with dick pics are the guy who owns the dick. Women are just not into it. Like if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And, you know, I mean, maybe that's not true, but they're just not impressive. You know, they're just not impressive. Like guys might be impressed by their own whatever, but women are like, not, 
not that thrilled with it. It's like, we're not sitting there going, ooh, show me your private parts. And we're always like, that is so ridiculous. And how many careers have been just ended over these things? Anthony Weiner, for God's sakes. Unfortunate name for a guy that's sending dick pics to everybody. Anyway, so Chris Hansen had done these to catch a predator things with the with the dick pics and basically saying like you sent this now he's telling these guys they sent it to a 13 year old a 14 year old a 15 year old but when the one guy goes ew chris hansen goes ew is right because i'm thinking like first of all stop sending these things to people like nobody cares so imagine my surprise when they come out with Chris Hansen gets fired from NBC because he's having an affair with this woman so many years his junior. I mean, she's not she's not a teenager or anything. She's in her 20s. And he's sending photos of himself naked to this woman. I was like, so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I was like, this guy was like a hero to so many people who were just thinking that like he was catching these horrible, horrible predators who were who were just preying on young children. And he was really getting the message out that these sick bastards exist. And even though the woman that he sent these photos to was in her 20s, you know, she wasn't a child. It wasn't his wife that he's been married to for 30 years and has two sons with, but it was this young woman and she basically gets fired too. And then Chris Hansen's wife divorces him. And I was like, this is so disappointing. You know, this is just so disappointing. It's like, I just felt like after all those months of him being to catch a predator and saying, like, you sent these pictures, ooh, and he said, ooh, is right. Like, how could you think that sending pictures of yourself to a woman who's not your wife, in her 20s, and this woman said that being in an affair with him, she said he told her that his marriage was miserable and that divorce was any any day now. And it's just so disappointing because... He really brought so much attention to those predator things that you kind of want him to be Mr. Squeaky Clean, and he wasn't. And it's so disappointing. It's just so disappointing. So anyway, when I do the the infidelity show, which I hope to get up this weekend, I've already done it, but I haven't edited it yet. But I hope to get it up this weekend. I'm going to talk a little bit about stuff like that. And they said that his wife, I guess her name is Mary Joan or something like that, was a, they called her the long-suffering Mary Joan. And I don't know if he's had other affairs, what went on, but I was so disappointed. It's like, if you are kind of a crusader for good in certain areas, you shouldn't be running around doing the same thing. And no, it's not the same as preying on children preying on teenagers, but it's still not okay. Like it's still wrong. And sending pictures of yourself in the nude when you're a guy, nobody cares. Keep it in your pants. Nobody cares. I've not met a woman. Please email me if you're a woman who loves dick pics or who is impressed with dick pics because I've never met one and I would love to meet one. 
who says, yeah, send that shit to me. Like, just who are you? Where do you live? Because I need to examine your head. Because I haven't, I haven't heard of it. So anyway, that's that. But I was so disappointed. I was so, so, so disappointed. But uh, Mr. Gigi made me laugh a lot. Um, But I did hear some of the stuff that I think that you guys talked about in uh, that I talked about in the last podcast about using a violent verb and a woman's um, and slang for a woman's anatomy together. I did actually hear some of that on Mr. Gigi. So um, I did actually figure out what, what this woman was talking about and I was startled. So anyway, so that was disappointing as well because I felt like Mr. Gigi was kind of like another crusader and then he was saying, you know, slaying, you know, a woman's body part and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. He did not say that. Anyway, okay, so let's rewind, shall we? If you go to the workbook, and you go to the goal pages. I want you to take a look at them and realize that you can use those whenever you feel your life is careening out of control and you need to do something about it. I used them recently. They really helped me get back on track. I haven't used them in years. And they really helped me get back on track. And I really got everything done that I needed to get done. And I'm still working things out. As you can see, I'm still catching up on on podcast episodes. But I wanted to let everybody know that those goals are really, really important. The other thing that's important is this program doesn't work without doing daily journaling, daily affirmations. You have to do a daily I know that once you start feeling better, you will slack off on it, but it is so important to do it on a daily basis. This program only works. There is a button on the bottom of most articles on gettingpastyourbreakup.com and on meanladytalk.com, how to use the books and the workbook together. And Tiffany, my moderator in the Facebook group, she posted all the time in the Facebook group how to use the books and the workbook to do the work. It's a set of exercises. It's how it all fits together. You have to work out the bad while working in the good. Now, working out the bad is if you have grief, if you have loss, if you have sorrow, if you're really hurt, cry, let that out. And I talk in the workbook about how to have a grief session, how to allow yourself so many minutes a day of crying. And then you zip yourself up, you do self-care and you take care of yourself and then you do it again the next day. It's working out the bad, working in the good. So one of the things that I want you to do is I want you to understand that you need to grieve as long as you need to grieve. Many times you're grieving things that happened a long time ago. You're not really grieving the end of this relationship. You're not really grieving this divorce. You're grieving all these other losses you've had in your life that you've never grieved or you're having secondary loss. I miss my ex's family. I miss my ex's friends. I miss the couple that we were, the couple that we showed to the world, that little unit that's gone. You know, it's what Murray Colin Parks talks about with the gray lag goose, like you're flying great distances at your own peril because you don't want to let go of what you have in your head 
as how it's supposed to be. And it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult to let that stuff go. But you have to. I know that when I was going through my divorce, we had a house that we had, we were buying, we were in, you know, getting the mortgage, we were, you know, doing all kinds of things. And we never moved in, but it was the house that we always wanted because we had bought a house that was a slumlord house. I've talked about this on other podcasts. Where we had to get rid of all these crazy tenants. They were burning down our garages. They were, they were like coming after us. It was totally nutty. But we had that house. We fixed it up. We sold it for a good profit. We bought two new, two other houses. We sold those at a big profit. And now this house that we were getting was the dream house, the house that we had been looking for for five or six years. All the work that we put into those other houses. And I had so much trouble letting that house go. But it was a block from the ocean. It was in North Kingston, Rhode Island. It was a block from the ocean. It had a babbling brook in the front of the house. It was absolutely gorgeous. Everything about the house was gorgeous. It was what we had worked so hard for. And I will tell you that letting that house go was so hard for me. We went into the closing on that house because we we basically closed on the house and then turned around and sold. We went in there and I remember being at that closing and the people that were buying the house from us were there and we were each there with our divorce attorneys. It was horrible. I wanted to sink through the floor. I didn't want to be there. We couldn't hold a conversation. We could not be nice to each other. We could not be cordial. And I was sobbing in my car on the way home. I felt like we earned that house. I wanted that house, but there was no way I could move in by myself. No way. So we turned around and sold it. We, like we never moved in. We bought it and then we sold it. And we never moved in. It was sad. It was really, really, really sad. But I remember the day that we were out there and I was bringing like his grandmother was going to live with us. So we had an in-law apartment downstairs. So I remember going there and bringing my mother and, and his grandmother And he was supposed to show up and he never showed up. And he didn't show up because he was with his girlfriend. And later on, I realized that only I cared about this house. He didn't give a shit about the house. And when we were going through our divorce, I was so upset because I felt like I really felt the loss of that house deeply. And he didn't care. Like he was glad to not be moving into that house. He did not want to be in that house. He wanted to be up in Northern Rhode Island where his job was. He didn't want to commute. He didn't want to travel. And he was glad to be getting rid of this house. And then I had to grieve like his complete lack of involvement. I had to grieve the fact that he didn't give a shit about our house. And I had to grieve the fact that I'm leaving and I'm leaving all this stuff undone. And I have no idea where I'm going. No idea whatsoever. And he's running off in his little puppy love life. And now he's going to be living five minutes from his job the way he always wanted it. And I'm just out there. I don't have a job. I don't have a house. I don't have anything. I'm staying with my mother, my kids in this little Spartan bedroom. Had this little tiny, I went from this gigantic California King waterbed, which I don't know why waterbeds are not around anymore because I absolutely adored my waterbed. I went from this California King waterbed 
to this single bed in this sparse room. It was like being in a jail cell. And I've told people that looking back on this, it was the absolute best thing for me because I had to tear down all of the decorations of my life, all of the nice houses and nice furniture and nice this and nice that. I had to tear it all down and start from scratch. And I started from scratch in that little Spartan bedroom when I was thinking, I can't believe I'm in this little cold twin bed when my nice heated California King waterbed is in storage. And he's up there lottie dying with his girlfriend and he's just happy as a pig in poop. But everything that happened to me happened for a reason. And if I hadn't gone through that pain and learned how to heal that pain and learned how to look at those losses and see what I was losing and why I was losing it and how I was losing it and why it was affecting me so deeply, I would have never healed. Never, ever, ever. And it hurt so much. But I had to work out the bad while working in the good. I had to learn self-care. I had to learn meditation. I had to learn affirmations. I had to learn all the things that I teach people because nature abhors a vacuum. You cannot get things out without putting things in. So let the feelings out. Let the bad feelings out. Cry. Do your grief work. Don't worry about your exes having a grand old time with who knows who. Just be okay that you are who you are and you are where you are. And just know that the process works. Trust the process. Work out the bad while working in the good. Make sure you're doing your affirmations. Make sure you're doing your journaling. Make sure you are being true to yourself. Make sure you're learning who you are and that you are true to yourself and you want to be true to yourself and you like who you are and you like the life you're building. Know that you have a responsibility to yourself to build the life second to none. And you can do this. Beyond your wildest dreams, you can do this. And I remember sitting in a meeting one time. It was a 12-step meeting. And I remember sitting there and I was in so much pain. So much pain. And I was hunkered down in my coat. I never talked to anybody at the beginning. I didn't want to talk to anybody at the beginning. I just wanted all these people to leave me alone. And I hunkered down in my coat. And I heard this man say, the truth shall ring true. And I thought, oh my God. Oh my God. The truth shall ring true. I knew in that instance that everything my ex had said to me was bullshit because nothing rang true. And I knew that he was full of shit. He was always full of shit. He was always going to be full of shit. And it was time for me to move on. And I'll never forget those words. Ever forget those words. The truth shall ring true. And what I tell you on every podcast is my truth. And this is why I was so disappointed when I read about Chris Hansen having this affair. I was like, you know, you put yourself in this position, kind of a position of judging other people for being, you know, pervy assholes. And yeah, there's a lot of difference between being a pervy asshole with people underage and somebody of age. But still, you have to take these responsibilities seriously. You have to live a life that rings true. You have to live a life that is just okay with you. Like I always say to people, I I cannot, 
you know, if you if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. It's something to say in the law all the time. If you have if if you tell the truth, you don't need to have a good memory. I have a horrible memory. So I can't lie about anything because I could not keep my story straight. If, you know, somebody had a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you what I said yesterday. So everything has to be true. Everything I say has to ring true. I want to let you guys know that this program works and it works if you work it. It, Trust the process, it works. And don't give up the day before the miracle happens. And that's what people said to me. And there were so many times I wanted to give up, guys. So many times I wanted to give up. And I'm begging you, no matter how hurt you are, no matter how despairing you feel, do not give up. If you work this program the way it's supposed to be worked, If you go to the books in the workbook and you do it the way it's laid out, you can do this. Please believe in it. I believe in you. If you have any questions, send me email, meanladytalkingpodcast at gmail.com, Susan at gettingpodcastforbreakup.com. Please, please, please write me if you have any questions. And if you're ever feeling in despair, just know that the program works if you work it. I believe in you. Please believe in yourself. And I'll talk to you guys in the Facebook group. And uh, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.